This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Psalm 119.66 says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. I'd like to talk with you this evening a little bit about uh, judging and what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 7. Uh, we do a, what we call a contextual study. We try to stay in context on Wednesday nights, and uh, it's been just a lot of fun to do that and to hear some of these guys that uh, do not do a lot of teaching and give them an assignment uh, the elders there have given assignments, and we want you to talk on this, and we want you to stay in context. You stick with the context and, and tell us what the teaching is. That's just been so much fun. I know that you're starting Wednesday night services. Uh, this Wednesday will be the first one. Was that right? I want to tell you, uh, the Wednesday night services have been such a huge blessing for us. And uh, we have really good attendance for Wednesday night services at home. And it's because of the enjoyment that we receive from it and the blessings of learning. And so I encourage you to support this Wednesday night services that you're starting here. You will receive a great blessing from it if you'll put yourself into it. At any rate, this contextual study, uh, we studied not too long ago. And I led this study on Matthew 7 and the, the, the idea of judging. And Jesus teaches us, and this is uh, his teaching, he says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now this is one passage. If you want to find a Bible verse that the most heathen sinner knows, he knows this one. They'll all quote this one. Judge not that you be not judged. They all know it. They may not know any other thing in the Bible, but they'll quote this one. And they'll try to throw the Bible back to you. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching. He's saying, if you're going to judge, be prepared. <laughs> be prepared because the world, and that's who he's talking about. He's not talking about God. He's talking about the world. People are going to judge you. So whatever you judge, it's going to come back to you. And that's exactly what he says. So the world wants to take this verse and they want to make some application. Let's read the rest of the context. Applications that's not true and we want to deal with this for a little bit. Let's read the rest of the context of this passage. Verse 3 says, And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. This passage deals with judging. And it's talking about us judging. Uh, we want to ask a few questions about this, first of all. 
And let's consider some of these questions. Is this text about never making judgments about the actions of another? Is this text saying that we can never make moral judgments about what is right and wrong? If we see a wrong in another person, are we never to point it out? Now, the world would tell you that you could never do those things. Let me tie my shoe before I trip over it. And they would tell you every time that you would point out a wrong, you're violating the judgment law that was given. You can't judge me. You better not judge me. What right do you have to judge me? And is that what he's teaching? Furthermore, the application is made oftentimes that if you don't judge, then when you stand on the day of judgment and you stand before God, and he'll look and he'll say, well, blessed art thou, Garland Dukes, for thou hast not judged anybody. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> and so if I don't judge anybody and I don't point out any sin and I don't recognize what's wrong, then automatically God's going to let me off because after all, is that not what he said? Judge not that you be not judged. Many people have understood that verse that way, and maybe you have. Maybe you've thought, I don't need to ever be saying anything about somebody else's wrongdoing. Because if I do, then God's automatically going to say, well, you're wrong too. And then they'll go to support that. They'll say, uh, well, didn't Jesus say, let him that is without sin cast the first stone? How do you deal with that? Wouldn't that make it substantial by those thoughts? So how would you answer these questions in your mind? Can we ever make judgments about things and about people? Can we make moral judgments about what is right and wrong? And if you see a wrong that a person is involved in, can you point it out? Can you tell someone you're not thinking about that right? You should not talk that way. The way you're talking is not right. It's wrong. Quit. Can you tell someone you better quit coveting money? Because covetousness is idolatry. Can you tell people that? Or will they, or will they say, well, you're judging me. You don't know my heart. What right do you have? There are many people, and we talked a little bit about this not, uh, last night about baptism, how we want to look for those loopholes, and we will twist the words to make it say what we want it to say unconsciously. The, to support what we've always believed, to support what we've been taught, to support our past forefathers, these, uh, we are, need to be very careful not to misuse the words of Jesus. For simply there are times that we must judge and that we are commanded to judge. There are times that we have to point out the actions of another. Jesus did not forbid all judgment. In the context of this study, we learn 
that Jesus makes a commandment in verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Philippians 3 and 2 says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evildoers. Beware of the concision. So I ask you this question. Jesus tells us not to cast our pearls before the swine or hogs. Who are hogs? What's he talking? Who are they? Now, he's not talking about literal hogs. Now, my grandmother, uh, bless her heart, uh, she was born in 1876. and uh, She was raised at the church and everything, but she did not believe. And by all means, she would never pay for a dog. Would not buy one. Because the Old Testament talks about the hire of a whore and the price of a dog. (laughs) And she said, I can't buy a dog because that's condemned in the Old Testament, the price of a dog. And she took that literally that she could not buy a dog. When in fact the dog there in the Old Testament that he's talking about is not the canine that we've come to love so much. It's something totally different. Well, we've got to make a judgment. We've got to make a judgment of who is a hog? Who is a dog? And furthermore, we even have to make a judgment of the pearls. What pearls? Jesus is using this metaphorical language trying to teach us something. And he tells us not to cast our pearls before the swine, lest they turn again and rend you. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Let me tell every young person in this building and every old person too what a dog was in the Old Testament. In the language when he talks about the price of a dog and the hire of a whore. And this should open up your eyes to a lot of things. A dog in the Old Testament was a male prostitute. He was characterized that, and he, furthermore, it was so bad at certain times, and we even know that Eli's sons prostituted themselves, or they would pay for the prostitutes, and they would lay at the door of the temple. And the price of a dog then was the price of a male prostitute and it was condemned. Now when you start thinking about what the world is throwing at you today with the homosexuals and with all of these gay rights, you think about what God called them in the Old Testament. He called them dogs. And he called the women whores. The women that lived a promiscuous lifestyle and sold their bodies. And the men who lived a promiscuous lifestyle and would sell their bodies. Boy, it's plain language. But it's necessary in this society today. Well, is that who he's talking about when he says, Give not that which is holy unto dogs? There's other meanings to the dogs too that I've discovered and I've learned in this study and other studies. Uh, 
We read the passage, beware of dogs. He's not talking about the canine. Who are they? Who are these people that we have to determine who they are? Well, if we took the Old Testament and we took the meaning of the Old Testament and the characterization that's given there, obviously we can see that. Is the homosexuals... And they're promoting that lifestyle and they are consuming. We have to be careful with them. And we have to make a determination with them. It's not going to happen. I cannot, I cannot abide by it. Beware of the dogs that uh, Paul talks about to the church at Philippi. He's talking about people that would come in and they would consume. They would create division, they'd tear apart. They spread false teaching. And the people that would come in and absolutely decimate a congregation, he gives a warning, he calls them dogs as well. After all, those two things have something very much in common. Both of them are enemies to God. Because number one, the homosexual is attacking and destroying the home and the family. And they rage at this destruction with their teeth. And they bite and tear and destroy and a person that's going about causing unity, causing division and, and destroying unity, they're tearing at the very core of what God died for, his church. So he says, beware of dogs, beware of the concision, evil workers. But if I can't judge, I can't determine that. Thirdly, let's talk a minute about pearls. He says, cast out your pearls before the swine, lest they turn again and rend you. I have to make a judgment on this. What are pearls? What are they? Merchantman seeking goodly pearls. When he had found the pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Pearls have always represented something of great value. They've always represented that. The pearl of great price is the one of greatest value. That we are to uh, be so willing that we will sell all of the lesser valuable things so that we might attain the one of great value. And that is the parable of the pearl of great price. Nevertheless, and for us to determine then what is of value, that we cannot cast our pearls before the swine, Lest they turn again and rend you, we have to determine what a hog is. And we have to determine what the pearls are. So the idea that I can't judge is, is kind of foolish because in the same context, Jesus is commanding us to make this discernment and this judgment. Who are the hogs? Well, I've been around enough uh, swine the animal enough to know this is they have an insatiable appetite. It's a lot of fun to grow hogs and to have them because you can just feed them. If you'd like to watch an animal eat, you just, give, you just raise you some hogs, right, Garland? It's a lot of fun. They never get full. 
And they'll eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. You know why? Because they live to eat. <laughs> and their body, it's this mindset of, I could never be full of anything. And I want to tell you, when we start and being around people that are living so much for this life, that they can never be satisfied with anything, they'll take the things that are most valuable to you. They'll take your family and they'll destroy it completely. Why? Because they can't get full. It's all about them. And they become this ravenous beast that is gnawing and chewing at the things that you love best. The things that are of real value, not your money. That's valuable, but that's not real value. Jesus even called money the unfaithful uh, riches. Uh, it's false. And the reason it's false is you can't keep it. But the things that are of real value are the things that you cannot buy. It's that moment with your wife and your husband and that moment that you can never come by, call back. It's the love that you experience between each other, your family, and it's the love of the church. And if we cast our pearls, those things of real value to those that will consume it and tear it up and say, here, you just do with it whatever you want to do with it, we're in trouble. Because not only will they eat it up and chew it up, they'll turn and they'll attack you. And that's exactly what is happening in our world today. That's exactly the thing that a lack of judgment will promote. We have to be able to judge. Jesus said in Matthew 7 verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? I get tickled at people when they talk about judgment and they say, well, I can't judge, but I can be a fruit inspector. Well, it's the same thing, really, of what I'm talking about. We have to be able to determine and have the discernment to look at the fruits of people, to see what, they're, what they are about, to see what their motive and their goal is. We have to make a judgment on what we're going to allow at our homes. A woman's role, one of the roles that a woman is given in, in her home is that she is to be a keeper at home. Now that doesn't mean that she can't work outside the home and other employment, but what it means is she had better be a gatekeeper at her home, a guard, a guardian. She's been given that task by Almighty God. Protect your home. But if you can't make judgments, how do you protect? Very difficult. I get amazed sometimes at our thought processes on judgment, and I get amazed at the conclusions that we draw. I want you to think about some of the things that we will allow in our home because we're afraid to make judgments. We will watch TV programs and we'll watch movies 
and allow somebody to spread propaganda and lies in our home, in our living room. And they will promote a lifestyle that our children never need to hear, never need to see. And we'll allow that to happen when in fact we would never, never invite that individual into our home to sit down across our, us from our kitchen table and say, here's my children. I want you to take my children and I want you to teach them what you're teaching all the time on TV. And I want to sit here and I want to enjoy this conversation. And it doesn't matter what kind of language you use. After all, this is just entertainment. And we will do that because we have separated ourselves and we want to have Facebook relationships and we want to separate ourselves electronically and say, somebody can come into my home and they can say anything they want to say and promote any agenda they want to promote. And then I can turn them off when I want to when I get tired of listening. And then you go knock on somebody's door and invite them to come to church and you're standing there in person. And they'll barely open the door. And they'll reach through and grab the flyer like that and shut the door. We had it happen, didn't we, boys? This week. And I've wondered who they've invited in their home to spread lies and destruction electronically. Judgment. We're commanded to judge. We have to make good judgments. We have to determine who are the hogs, the dogs, and the pearls that we don't want to lose. Other passages about judgment is John 7 verse 24. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now somebody says, I can't judge them, but I can't judge them on their appearance. It's what the scripture teaches, but I have to make righteous judgment. If I'm going to make righteous judgment, I have to look at some of the characteristics of their life. I'm sorry, I do. I think this thirst for anonymity has created some of these ideas in people. We want to be able to live disattached to everybody and do whatever we want to do. When in fact... We, nobody lives to himself and nobody dies to himself. And in order for us to have the proper relationships, we have to make this righteous judgment. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12 is a very interesting scripture written to the church at Corinth. He says, but now have I written, I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such a one, no, not to eat. But if I can't judge, how am I going to know who's a fornicator, or a drunkard, or a railer? You know what a railer is? Just for the sake of those who may not, and that's an interesting word, but it's a person that if you go and try to discuss an issue with them, they'll always try to be a bully to you. That's, what I, that's the way I see them. They're the bully. And they want to be the loudest in the room. And they want to get mad. And they want to throw a fit. And that's how they win their discussions. 
Jesus tells us that uh, that type of person, we have to make a judgment. Why? Because they will take the things that are valuable to you and they will destroy it. That's exactly what a fornicator does. He takes the things that are valuable to you and he destroys it. What's valuable to you? Well, your home. It's your family. Fornication uh, is against marriage. It's against the body, the temple of holy of the Holy Spirit. A drunkard. Reason why we can't allow a drunkard to continue is because of the havoc and the destruction. Hogs and dogs. The consuming destruction. He says these things in the church can't be. So we have to make we have to make judgments. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within? We are to judge. We have to make these distinctions. First John 4 and 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hogs and dogs. There are people that come into our midst and come into our lives that they have no intention whatsoever except to create destruction and for their own self-consumption. We have to make a judgment. But what kind of judging is Jesus forbidding? There is a judgment that he's forbidding. We cannot judge when we can't see our own faults. That's a real problem. Notice in this passage that we read, Why do you behold the boat that is in your brother's eye, when considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Uh, mote and a beam may not mean much to some of you folks. Uh, maybe to some of the younger persons, but a moat is a little bitty speck. Little bitty speck. Little, little bitty. It may be a piece of sawdust. Let's, let's, uh, something that's aggravating, but you know, it's not something that uh, just absolutely destroy you. You get a little piece. I, I used to work in a metal shop, in a, in a die shop there in Bridgestone, and, I, and I've had pieces of metal fly up. Little bitty things, you can't even see them. But you know, once it gets in there, you need to get it out. But here Jesus gives a contrast of a person that's got something little bitty in, the, in their eye, but a beam, well, that would be considered a plank. Everybody can see the plank. Now, some of us are carrying planks, grant you. And we need to get the plank out of our eye, these, this thing that everybody can see, but in order to do that, we've got to get the beam, the moat, out of our own eye. And the reason being is because the moment that you start trying to get the beam out of your brother's eye, he's going to say, look, you've got something in your eye too. That judgment's going to come back. We've got to be able to judge realizing that we too have faults, and not only that, but we need to work at getting our faults taken care of. Notice what Galatians 6 and 1 says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken at a fault, 
Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one to the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We have to learn to be introspective. In other words, to look inwardly in our life. Look inwardly at our actions. You know, if I'm going to get up here and teach repentance to you, like I did this week, I have to be willing to live a life of repentance myself. If I'm going to get up here and teach humility to you and to be humble, I need to learn how to humble myself. If I'm going to point out your faults, I need to be working on my own faults, and I need to be willing to see my faults. Most of the time, we carry around this moat in our eye that we think nobody can see, when in fact it may be a beam. Everybody may be seeing it, but we think it's a moat. And then we see a fault with somebody else, and we say, let me take care of that for you. You've got something that in your life you need to be taken care of. And all he does is he turns around and says, look, you're judging me. You need to take care of your own life first. You've got this thing wrong with you. I know it. I've seen it. I had a fellow tell me not too long ago, he said, you know, he said, uh, there was a man in our county that he was a very wealthy man, and, and uh, he financed a, a large, large church building in our county. And uh, they built this building, and he put up the money. I guess he put up all of it. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really matter. But he had that reputation. He was a very wealthy man. And they said, yeah, he built the building. And this guy told me, he said, you know, he said, I thought, man, that guy's got to be special. He's got to be something. He said, then I, he said, I was at a convenience store. And he said, there he was in there buying a lottery ticket. <laughs> a multimillionaire, many times over. He's in there buying a lottery ticket, and he's just built a church building. He said, I lost all respect for him. Immediately. That's, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us. If you're, going to, if you're going to live a life, recognize first your own faults. Let's not be hypocritical. Furthermore, work to rid yourself of these problems that's going to bring shame and reproach upon the name of the Lord. When he talks about removing the, the moat out of your own eye, he's not talking about a miraculous action here of God. He's saying you do it. And, and if you want to be listened to and if you want to help people, God calls us to live a higher life than the world. He does. He calls you to a higher standard. It used to be a mystery to me. It's not so much of a mystery anymore once I've learned to understand a little bit about what Jesus is teaching. But the fact of why in the world that one person can do something good and you'd think that they had need to do, win the Nobel Peace Prize. And another person who does something good most of the time never gets recognized for it. Have you ever noticed that? That seems to be the way it is. The reason why is the person that does something good occasionally is doing bad most often. <laughs> and that's what people see. 
is all of these bad things. So when something good happens, they say, oh, did you see what he did? How good of a deed that was. The opposite is also true. If you're living a life that is mostly pure and clean and holy and you're trying to live for Christ, when something bad crops up, people are going to judge that on you. They're going to see that first. They'll see it loudly. We have to be able to judge without hypocrisy. So when in fact this lesson then is a lesson that Jesus is giving us of clean moral living too. Another kind of judging that Jesus is forbidding is judging without mercy and love. Luke 6.36 says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. So when do we judge? There are times when we have to judge. We need to correct our own faults. Uh, the person that is trying to help someone in their, somebody else's marriage cannot be an abuser of their own marriage. The person who is trying to help someone stop gambling don't need to be playing the lottery. A person that is trying to teach someone about using clean language, you need to clean your own mouth up first. Verse 5, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the boat out of thy brother's eye. Galatians 2, 6 and 2 says, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, if I start bearing your burden with you, then I can start helping you and you can help me too. And we can do that without this type of judgment that the world so hates and that Jesus hates. And that's a, word, that's a judgment of hypocrisy. There are times that we have to determine who are hogs and dogs. We have to not give that which is holy, those good things, to those people that are going to use it to their own destruction. Or to turn and destroy us. We have to be careful with those that are living for their own self-satisfaction. And for their own appetite that can never be satisfied. We have to be protective of our homes. Of the truth. And in order to do that we have to make judgments. Furthermore we have to learn to be patient with those who are receptive. And those who are not receptive. We have to learn judgment. I'd like to read a passage here uh, concerning the uh, qualifications of an elder. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. What's this passage saying? It's saying an elder, and that man should have these qualities that if he sees someone who is trying, he's making the effort. Be patient with him. Change is hard. Growth is hard. 
And we have to make that judgment. We have to make the judgment of, yes, I will continue to strive with you and I'll continue to be patient with you and I love you and I'm going to, I'm going to judge you with meekness and with forgiveness. On the other hand, there is a uh, time that we have to make a judgment that's not so comfortable. I'd like to read this passage of Scripture with you. Acts 13, beginning with verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city to hear the word of God. What a fantastic revival. What a fantastic meeting. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those that were spoken, that, uh, which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Hogs and dogs. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy, of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. You see what he did? There had to be a time that he had to determine, had to determine, do I, do I continue? Do I continue to cast these pearls before these people? And they're using it not for the good, not for the glory of God. They're trying to create division and they're blaspheming and they're consuming and destroying and biting and devouring and fighting and so on and so forth. The judging then that is commended to us is a judgment of first, let's not be hypocritical. Let's not be self-righteous. We all have our issues. So when Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged, he's telling us that if we're going to judge people, be prepared for what comes back from their mouth. Listen, God's going to judge you no matter what. That is sure. There's going to be a day of judgment that you stand before God and you're going to give an account of your life. Every person in this room, every person that has ever lived will be gathered before God. James 4 and 11 says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? The hypocritical judgment and the self-righteous judgment where you retain the sins of your life and you're not striving and you're not working to try to be closer to Christ, but yet you want to show someone of your own righteousness and your self-righteousness. That's what Jesus is condemning. The condemnation is spent toward those who will be self-righteous and will remain unclean and hold those secret sins and those private sins that they so dearly love 
all the while looking at other people and condemning them. That's what Jesus is condemning. He's not condemning us to make judgments about what people are doing, their life. Not at all. We have to do that. Otherwise, we will lose those things that are most valuable to us. He says so. They'll turn again and they'll rend you. They'll even take your life. But we cannot be self-righteous in our judgment. And we cannot be a hypocrite in our judgment. We are called to be more than that. We're called to be a representative, a light for Jesus Christ. Our light is dimmed every time that the focus is put upon us. And the light shines brightly the more that it shines on Jesus. And you and I, we have to prepare for the final judgment. There's going to be one. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The judgment should not be a fearful thing for you. For most people, it strikes terror. But for you, it should not be a fearful thing. Not if you know Christ. Not if you've obeyed him. He has already stood in judgment for you. The sins that were uh, condemning to us have already been condemned and they've already been put away. Judgment should not be fearful for you, not if you're in Christ. But I want to tell you, if you're not God's child and you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, judgment is a terrible thing. Because you will be found guilty without Jesus and eternally lost. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.